So, if you're a visitor here, uh, I want to just um, observe that we're seven weeks into a nine-week series based on this book called Making Disciples. And um, if you haven't got a copy of the book, not many people do, all the material is on an associated website, also called wearemakingdisciples.com. It's written by a guy called Chris Rogers, who's a minister in East London. Uh, and if you, if you want to catch up, if you've missed any, all our sermons are on our church website uh, with a YouTube link. And also, uh, just for double value, Chris himself preaches each of these weeks on the Making Disciples website, and it's often good to get the material in a slightly different way. That often makes um, a lot more sense and goes deeper, so I'd recommend that as well. And as Steve said, we've called this series Head, Heart, Hands, uh, because following Jesus involves letting him renew our minds. And in the first week, we heard how our minds are full of nonsense. We pick up from the culture of this world, uh, from false teaching, uh, from bad messages from family and friends, uh, from all sorts of places. He wants us to renew our minds and by prayer and Bible study, reorientate them in the way that God thinks. Secondly, his spirit wants to renew our hearts as well. Our hearts have become hardened often uh, and less sensitive to God's love, less willing to show love back to God and less willing and able to show love to other people. And he wants to break that and give us new hearts. And finally, as Dave said two weeks ago, when your head's right and your heart's right, he then wants you to put that into practice using your hands, sometimes your metaphorical hands. And no matter how weak or unskilled or under-resourced we think we are, God has a purpose that only we can carry out a group of people or a person who only we can touch. And today we begin the final three weeks when we begin to put it together and put it into practice. How do we make a difference to the world we live in? You might wonder, as you watch the news, as you go about your daily life, how much the church, how much God's people still impacts and influences the society in which we live today. In the 21st century, does it still make any difference at all? Is that difference a real difference for the good? Do we feel powerless or scared or irrelevant? Do we even care that much about the people we come into contact with, whether they're in church, whether they're in our wider social circles, or whether they're just complete strangers we bump into on Lord Street? Where are they with God? What are their practical needs? What burdens do they struggle with? And is this all because as Christians do we, and I've asked myself repeatedly, do I fail to understand the true nature of discipleship? In today's reading, Jesus tells his disciples to go into all the nations, all the nations and make disciples. Not go into all the nations and make believers, go into all the nations and make more disciples. Disciples, not believers. And what's the difference? Well, apparently, in ancient Israel, if you wanted to study at the feet of a particular rabbi, you followed them around wherever they went. You asked to be their disciple, and then you watched what they did, you listened to what they said, and you learned, and you copied, and you put it into practice. And you stuck so close to them as they traveled around that the Jewish proverb says, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. The very sand they kicked up from the road should land on you because you're following them that closely. A disciple is simply one who follows and then copies. 
At the start of the book, Chris Rogers makes a fairly provocative statement, and you'll need to forgive him if you're older, it's especially provocative, because he's young, he looks young, although Steve tells me he's not as young as he looks. Uh, and secondly, he's pastoring mainly new converts who are coming from a world which is increasingly materialistic and self-centred. But he says the problem that he sees in the church today is that there are lots of believers, by some measures, a third of the world's population would say it was Christian, even in Southport, more than half the population will describe themselves as Christian. He says Jesus has believers coming out of his ears, and that's a fairly shocking statement, especially when two-thirds remain untouched. But there is a real shortage. The real gap is in the availability of disciples. And I asked before, what's the difference between a believer and a disciple? And the early church, there was none. Uh, the word Christian is used three times in the New Testament, uh, the word disciple 300 times, and the word believer 60 times. And looking at those, I looked at about half a dozen of them last night, in every case the translator could just, have well, just as well have said disciple rather than a believer. To be a believer was to be a disciple. When you came to belief, you so much wanted to share what God had done in your life and what you'd realised about his love for you that you were also a disciple at the same time. But nowadays, are we just believers? Have we heard the good news? We know we have new life in Jesus if we've heard it and accepted it. But have we sat back a bit? We enjoy attending church. We enjoy worship like that first set, which I have to say is one of the best sets I've heard in a long time. We enjoy going to our fellowship group. We like the chat. We like the encouragement. We await our eternal reward uh, with some confidence. But like Rob said last week, um, like a child asked to clean its room, they might learn how to clean a room. They might learn how to say it in Greek, and I'm very upset that Rob's not here this morning because I learned kataraize to domino su, just to impress him. They learn how to say it in Greek, but they never actually get round to cleaning their room. Jesus wants disciples, people who will follow him, stick close to him, and then copy whatever the cost. And that's a shock. It was a shock then, and it's a much greater shocking change now in the individualistic and materialistic world that we have been brought up in. And of course, he wants those disciples to make other disciples. Of course he does. If, he'd only made, if those disciples had only made believers, then about 30 years after the resurrection, the church would have died out before the world was saved, before the gospel had been preached in every nation, and before generations to come could have heard it. Disciples make other disciples, not of themselves, but of Jesus. Follow and then copy. Now, do you remember uh, about a fortnight ago when Dave talked about how they train junior doctors? Watch one, do one, teach one. Now, that is the traditional model of medical education, but uh, thankfully it's, it's not the full story. Otherwise, uh, heart transplantation wouldn't be quite as successful uh, as it is today. But it's a good model for discipleship. Watch it, learn it and then do it. It's more like a practical course than a university course. It's more like an apprenticeship. Now this is Bert and Bert is teaching this young lady how to use a drill. Now I know nothing about how to use a drill and drill through metal but Bert is an expert in it. Uh, Bert could do it with his eyes closed. Uh, Bert's been doing it for 20 years. No one can drill a better hole safer and quicker than he can. 
But if he doesn't pass on that knowledge, if all the people who knew how to make uh, a hole in metal didn't pass that on, in 20 years, nobody would be able to drill a hole. There would be no more hinges. There would be no more doors that opened and closed. So this young lady is watching Bert do one, and then she gets to do one. And when she's learnt it, she's learnt it. It really is that simple. Follow and then copy. That's why Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just watch it and do it. And again, Gavin is the best hairdresser in Southport. And you'll like the way I've tried to use non-gender stereotyped pictures here. Gavin is the best hairdresser in Southport. And I'm told, not from personal experience, but a good haircut can make a lady's weak. Um, and if he gets it wrong, if Gavin gets it wrong, he will ruin their week. But Gavin was well-trained. But if Gavin doesn't pass his skill on, in 30 years, there won't be a single hairdresser left in Southport. What a tragedy that would be. So this young man, he has to start somewhere. He watches Gavin. He has a go. It's that simple. Follow and copy. And you'll see where I'm going with this. Jesus says, I don't just want Christians. I don't just want believers. I want disciples, people who will watch what I did, watch what I'm doing today, learn from it, stick close to me, and then do it. Keep my commandments, make disciples, teach them to keep my disciples, keep my commandments, follow and copy, make more disciples. But why? What is the purpose? Well, the great purpose of the Great Commission is that all should know and love their Heavenly Father. Until that relationship between people and God as their Father that was destroyed by sin has been put right. Until the relationship is restored. Until they know the fullness of life that God offers. Not just chasing more, as Dave said, monopoly money. Money that we want to accumulate but has zero value in the real world of eternity. Now, I know some people have had difficult relationships with their earthly dads, and some might never have known their father at all, but there are many doting dads in our church. There are many dads who would do anything for their children and really show that love very publicly. And Jesus talks about God being a dad like that. He talks about a father who, after all he's done, brings his son up, and the son deeply wounds and hurts him to the core and rejects him. Even after all that, when he sees that son returning, he hauls his aching, aged bones out of his armchair and runs down the lane and throws his arm around that son because he wants everyone to know how much he loves them. Jesus tells a parable of a king throwing a great feast. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to throw a great banquet and he sends out the invitations and the people you would have expected to have replied don't want to come. So he says, go and invite everybody. And they responded. And the hall was filled with people. That's what the father wants. But there are two other relationships that God wants to restore as well. The first is the relationship between people and creation. Now, if you're in a midweek group, and I hope you are, there's a second reading in today's section, which is the first commission. The great commission was the second commission. But there was an earlier commission in Genesis 2. The Lord God took the man and the woman and put them in the Garden of Eden and said, Work it, 
care for it, tend it, make it fruitful. And how well have we done that? Now, if you're young here, uh, you're used to being very concerned about environmental issues. But if you're like me, you're getting on a bit. This can sound a bit like uh, those people of my age will remember Swampy the tree hugger in the 90s. But younger people are rightly concerned, much more than our generation was, about climate change, about the depletion of the world's resources, about the devastation of the tropical forests. as more of us demand more of everything. But the younger people and the 8 billion other people on this planet have to live here in God's creation after we've gone. So that's explored a little bit more thoroughly midweek. But the third relationship that God wants to restore, having made things right between him and people and between people and creation, is the relationship between people and other people. Jesus said to his disciples, love one another like I have loved you. Watch and copy, follow and copy. And then he says, all those who look at that and see it, and here we have a, a typical Anglican parish with different races, different social classes, different ages, but when they look at it and see it, and see how these people demonstrate love and concern for one another, they will know that you are my disciples. You see, people are not blind. We all see more than we hear. What's a disciple? Somebody who follows Jesus and copies them. What does it mean to make disciples, disciples not of ourselves, but of Jesus, point them along that journey towards faith in God through Jesus? By what we say, well, of course, but what we do, much more so. So what do people see when they look at each of us individually? What do they see when they look at me? What do they see when they look at us collectively. Does our behaviour, do our priorities, do our attitudes always point towards Jesus and what he has commanded us to do? So we're all called into God's purposes. We're all told to go. In the Great Commission, we are all sent on mission. And that can be a little overwhelming and you're thinking, how does that involve me? Because when we think of mission, the first thing that most of us think about is, of course, full -time, our full-time workers abroad, our full-time workers who work in either evangelism or public service or service of the week, usually in other countries and often in very difficult countries. But the Great Commission is so much more than that. It was given to all the disciples and not just to one or two people while the rest sat back and admired and supported them. And we heard in the second week how everyone has different gifts. And Paul says, if it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then encourage. If it's giving, give generously. And so on and so on. You'll remember that. There will come a time for each of us when the most our ministry can bear to support is to get through ill health bravely, to cope with the adverse circumstances of life with dignity, to merely offer a smile when that's all we have less left to offer. But in the kingdom of heaven, all ministries are equally valuable. Whatever we do, if we're pointing towards Jesus, if we're pointing people in that direction, we're making disciples. And if we're not, we're not. 
And Jesus said we are to be like salt for the earth. Now, um, I have to say, I am always shocked when I go to people's houses for dinner and I ask for a little bit of salt on my dinner, how hard it is these days to find the salt. They often have to rummage in a cupboard and they're shocked because when I was brought up in an Irish family, you salt the food before it goes in the pot. Then you cook it and serve it and you salt it again and then you taste it and usually you end up salting it a bit more. Uh, and these days we consider that very unhealthy and I'm clearly behind the times. But have you ever eaten chips on the prom in the rain with someone you love? It's fantastic, but it's a little bit spoiled if you've forgotten to have salt on the chips. The chips are crying out for a little bit of salt. The earth is crying out for its creator. Um, it really is. Even people who would describe themselves as non-believers and non-Christians, the Holy Spirit is touching them, prodding them, as many people here can testify. Uh, a strange thing happened to me this week. Um, I lead a team of uh, six uh, ladies, uh, six renal pharmacists and two technicians, and they were talking about the shoebox appeal. They'd heard about it on the, uh, one of the other hospitals in our group was having a collection in one of the departments, and they wished that they knew how to join in because it seemed the deadline was coming. And I mentioned that in our church, we do the shoeboxes. We, we have about at least 100 out there where 100 children on Christmas Day will have presents in difficult circumstances to remind them what Christmas is about. It's about God's love coming into uh, this world in the form of Jesus. And they, they're not Christians, all of them, and some of them went to Sunday school, but they wanted to do it. So I said, well, in our church, um, it's a bit brave here because we don't tend to talk much about our home lives. Uh, I said, in our church, we have boxes and I've, I've got a couple at home that I was going to fill. And they said, well, if you bring them in, we'll do it. We'd love to do that. We'd love to do it instead of perhaps having a Christmas present and card for each other this Christmas. So while I was off on Thursday, they went to all the class shops around the hospital. We've got home bargains uh, that they raved about. Uh, B&M, uh, they actually had some nice things like B&M. And best of all, if you're li from Liverpool, TJ's. Do you know TJ's? TJ Hughes, it is a wonderful place. Um, and when I get in on Friday, this is the strange thing. They had filled, this is very biblical this, they had filled five boxes of stuff to go abroad. And they're not even Christians. And we're going to publicise it much wider next year because people were saying, oh, we wish we could have done that. Pointing to Jesus, a little bit of salt. And in the spa at the end of my road, somebody, Christians, uh, and the food bank is a Christian charity, so Christians have started that charity to provide food when people find themselves suddenly in the world we live in, without even the money to put food on the table for their children. But somebody has not just started that charity, somebody else has said, let's put a collecting bin in the spa. And they put a few tins in, a little bit of salt pointing to Jesus. And it's been filled up every night. Every night when I go in, it's full to the brim again. People are begging for the salt of the earth. And ladies in this church, this is a story I've heard two or three times now from different people. Ladies in this church, they would say, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a missionary. But they met somebody in the cafe in town. They said, do you fancy coming to Tuesday at two? And okay, there's a little bit of attrition along the way. But once in a while, and there's been two or three instances that I've heard about, that person becomes an active member of this community, makes a commitment to Jesus, and ends up serving in ministry themselves. Pointing to Jesus, little bit of salt, follow 
and then copy. Whatever it is, it might seem a small thing, but it was pointing to Jesus. You're being a disciple, making disciples. So this week in our midweek groups, we're going to be looking at how do we take our heads straight, our hearts straight and our hands ready to serve. How do we make a difference in the society around us? Just three points. The first is, remember to follow and copy Jesus. Uh, This Great Commission started, it says, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, of course, and that's life. But it started in worship. We We cannot do this without being covered in prayer and our faith in Jesus. Remember when Dave said, uh, faith without works, work without faith, you know, but put them together, that's discipleship. If we're not close to Jesus... We won't care about relationships between people and their creator. We won't care about relationships between people and creation. And we won't care about peace between people within families, within societies, and across the world. We have to stick close to Jesus. We have to make that time in prayer and Bible study to be a disciple ourselves. To stick close. So close, the dust of his feet sticks to us as we follow. But on the other hand, if we cut Jesus out of the loop and just try and do the, uh, use our hands to do stuff, to make things right between people and creation, to put things right uh, between people and other people, we will run out of steam. Many people do do it. Many people who aren't Christians do do it. But that's not discipleship. That's, uh, I suppose that's joining the Liberal Democrats, isn't it? It's the two together. Faith and works together that will make disciples, that will sustain us, that will move our hearts. And also, unlike the rabbi who, who waved off their apprentices, at the end of this two or three years of wandering around, when you'd stuck close to your rabbi and learnt all the stuff and watched him closely, he would wave you off. He'd say, you're a rabbi yourself now, go off and do it. The second principle is we needn't be scared because Jesus has said, I will be with you always to the ends of the age. Everything we do, we need to cover thoroughly in prayer. Every ministry we attempt, every person we're trying to reach, we need to cover it in prayer because we're not alone. Jesus is with us. And the world can seem intimidating and it can seem dark. And our own society and many of the countries our partners are working in can seem very confused places. But you know, that's when the little light that Jesus puts in us can shine more. Now, you know I hate flying and I've been on 19 flights this year, although we're all very smooth. But the bit I really pay attention to is the bit at the beginning. And I know it off by heart. The emergency exits are here and here and there and there and down the back. And if the lights go out, little lights will come on the floor. I know it in some other languages as well. If I listen to it in a foreign language, it's the same in every language. And they tell you that if you land in salt water and you've got your life jacket on, a little light will come on so you can be seen. That's assuming, of course, that you've survived the breakup of the plane, the fall through 35,000 feet, the high impact onto the water. You've not drowned in the wreck of the plane before you could get out. uh, And you've not frozen to death in water in the North Atlantic at four degrees. Uh, But if you survive all that, then you have the absolute confidence that your light will be seen. The European standard for the light on a life jacket, I looked it up, is that it can be seen at three kilometres. That's up by the plough roundabout. That's how far you can be seen. <laughs> you won't want to get on a plane now, will you? <laughs> but the darker the night, 
the more your deeds will shine in that dark world, in what the Revelation calls a perverse generation. People are looking for that light. People want to see it. People want to be drawn to it. And the last little point I mentioned is, so follow and copy, stick close. Secondly, don't be scared because the darker the world gets, the more Jesus will shine if you let him. But third is, we need to be listeners. I am a terrible listener, like many busy people, but we need to work at it. But all, all the uh, people who work in evangelism and church growth will say, you need to learn to listen to people. If you listen to their stories, they will listen to ours. And we don't have to preach at them. We just have to tell them we're witnesses. Uh, in, the Luke, in the Acts version from Luke of this, it says, you will be my witnesses in Judea, in Samaria, and then to the very ends of the earth. And a witness is someone who has an experience that they can repeat. You have a story you can tell. Listen to their story. Tell them yours. But all the time, point to Jesus. Be a disciple. Make disciples. And finally, this is the midweek activity in your groups. This is, uh, it looks like the spiral you've already filled in, uh, but it's a slightly different spiral. We're going to be asked to think about people who we might impact. Only two more minutes. <laughs> At the centre is like Judea, the people immediately around us, the people in church. How can we encourage them? How can we draw them back? How can I be drawn back if I've strayed a little in what I'm saying or my attitude towards someone? How do we show concern for them? How do we care about them? How do we keep them from drifting away? How do we disciple them? How do we let them disciple us? And then a little bit further out here are the somewhat religious. On, in every church, and especially a central church like ours, there are people on the edges, people who come to midweek groups, people who come to our cell groups, but not to church. People we meet, people in our families, people who know something about what we're about. How do we reach them? How do we pray so that they will see something of God in us and their hearts will be stirred to want to move towards it? And finally, there are all the other people, the people we know who want nothing to do with church, the people we know out there who have never heard the good news, never met a Christian. How can we reach them? Who could you serve? Who could you pray for their hearts? Might glimpse something about Jesus. Who can you point towards Jesus? Because you see, we're thinking, make disciples. We have to take that whole process forward from first contact to watching them be ordained in the Church of England as a vicar. We don't. We have to play our part to constantly draw people back to God. I'm going to pray in a second. The band will come back while we're praying. I'm going to pray. You can stay sat down. But um, let's take those three groups in order. Uh, Lord, we pray for ourselves. We pray that we might be disciples and not just believers. We pray that we, by prayer and studying scripture and listening to the counsel of our friends, true friends, we will be people who stick close to you and then copy your actions. People who are not just saved from something, but people who know we are saved for something. Help us to serve uh, each other, the people around us, our fellow Christians here in fellowship. Help us encourage one another. Help us disciple one another in church. 
Lord, we think about the people on the edges of our fellowship groups and the people on the edges of our church activities. We pray that by our example of heads and hearts and hands that are committed to you, Lord, that we may lead them and point them in the direction towards you. And finally, we pray for all the people we will meet this week who don't know anything about you and know very little about us. We pray we might have opportunities to reach them and to serve them and to point them in your direction. And we especially lift before you, Lord, those who we really, really want to know you. People in our families, in our friendship groups who don't know you and seem to not want to know you. We pray that those barriers may be broken down. We pray that their hearts may be open. We pray we might be good examples of disciples who will then make other disciples. And we ask this in your name.